Well, I would love to say that I'm thrilled that we came through with a victory, but the smartest person in the room, Samantha Smart, forgot, and I don't know how you forget, to turn in the entry to the tag team tournament. So now we gotta go through this again. IQ superior. You know, when we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Welcome to another edition of the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. This is your host, Mr. Green. How are you good folks out there in uh, podcast land? Thank you for tuning in to the show and uh, giving me another week of your time to go over some of the goings-ons in uh, wrestling, particularly Wild Superheroes in our weekly review of the program. Uh, if you listened to me last week, you probably were, you know, expecting me just to go in and be like, ah, I hate this nonsense. But no, I'm, I'm not, not going to do that. Uh, yes, last week was a uh, was a difficult show for me to swallow. It, it, it just just was. <laughs> but uh, you know, every every series, every program is entitled to have their their show where it just didn't kind of uh, jive the way that it probably should have and. Uh, Hopefully, this episode, the sixth episode in their reboot, so episode six is uh, will be better. We'll, we will uh, go through the review and see. Um, as I've said over the last, I guess, two um, podcasts, and I have to say again, for those of you that think that you can do better at this, well, now's your chance. You get the uh, opportunity to uh, book your match Go to customvixenswrestling.com. That is customvixens, with an S, wrestling.com. And you can create and book your own matchup. Got a couple of uh, talented young ladies there that you can have at your disposal for whatever your fantasy match will be. There is a sample of such match. Available on our channel, the uh, Women's Pro Wrestling Network. It is the Barefoot Brawl featuring Fantasy, who is a, uh, a name who has worked in the Southeast region for, I'll say, much of the last 10 plus years. And then you have a, a fresh face with Autumn Marie. So you can check that out. Plus, at the end of that, there is a, uh, a preview match featuring the Woad, which, uh, if you follow this channel for any number, length of time, you certainly have seen her and uh, Malibu. So um, those are good matches. Of course, we don't have the entirety of that one. It is Again, it is a preview for you to look at. And, and surprisingly enough, um, that match is available now on their website under clearance videos. So if you want to see the whole thing, you can go and, uh, and hit the clearance tab and uh, pick that match out. A little cheaper than what it was uh, maybe, I think, two weeks ago. Um 
But Custom Vixens will allow you the chance and the opportunity to pick from their existing roster for one of their future film days. You have access to talents like Autumn Marie, Brooklyn Tree, Laura Lou, Sumiko, Roxy herself, uh, Malibu, Raleigh Jade, uh, maybe not the Black Widow right now. I think she's expecting. Uh, Crystal Fire, Mama Hannah, Peyton Storm Fantasy, and Alice Snow. That is Alice Snow, not Al Snow. So let's make sure that we get that correct. You pick the women, you pick the matches, you are in charge. Custom Vixens at CustomVixensWrestling.com. If you do make a match, let me know. You know, maybe you are a little better at booking than uh, the individuals at WOW, but. This will be one of the ways that you can find out. Wow, episode six pops back in with their normal start of the show recap and the old welcome to wow, that whole shebang. So we go over the last episodes, the win, the winners and the losers. And more, the most important part here is that it sets up for the eventual triple threat that will take place in the main event later on in this very episode. Why do we have a triple threat, you ask? Because in the previous match, where uh, Sofia Lopez, the greatest attorney in the world, got a match for her client, Tormenta, she got her a main event championship match straight away. However, just before the Beast was seemingly getting ready to put Tormenta down, for the one, two, three with a beast bomb. In comes uh, Reina Del Rey, interrupts the match, and a three-way brawl takes place between all three ladies. And, of course, what do you do when you have an instance like that? Well, you go directly to a triple threat match. So that's what they did. It's a triple threat match, raring to go on the main event, and you will get the chance to see that. Well, I mean, you've probably seen it already. If not, you can probably go to their uh, website. Website. Let me rephrase that. You go to their YouTube channel. You can watch the match in its entirety. And I guess since I brought that up, I need to to, uh, address something um, which kind of goes into what I was talking about last week. Or last podcast, I should say, to be more specific. Um, If you are unable to see while through CW stations or independent stations or any uh, syndication in your area, then your next option, and I know some people ask several times, so your next option would be YouTube. YouTube has a version of WOW on their WOW Superheroes channel. The difference being is that it is the entire show, but it's an edited version of that entire show. They remove um, a lot of the video packaging and the vignettes that takes place between the matches. So in a lot of cases, you get the matches out of context rather than here's what happened and let's go backstage and watch them talk and then we go to the ring. and A lot of that's gone. But on the other side of the coin, they have uh, interviews and, and things that did not take place on the show and are seemingly only available there on the YouTube version. So I don't know if they're doing this expecting people to watch both or they're doing this to try to make sure that the people who are only able to see it through YouTube um, have no regrets that they aren't able to see it on TV. Like, hey, I can watch this and I, you know, I get a little something extra. 
Uh, but either case, either way it goes, it, that is what has happened here. You you have access to the show, but there are things that are taken away and things that are added to the YouTube version opposed to the broadcast version. So, And, and I, honestly, it's an easier watch on YouTube because it's shorter. It doesn't have any commercials in it that, you know, of course, television would have. And uh, being that it's 35 minutes and it doesn't have any... Uh, video which are very well done the video packages and profile pieces and stuff like that watching them during the course of the show sometimes drags the show down I'm sorry it just does uh, because it works against the purpose of, of the show um, looking at it on YouTube you don't have that so even though the matches are somewhat out of context sometimes the match itself can explain it and then they'll do something afterwards that'll you know, seal the deal for you. Like, okay, I got it. Like, in fact, um, Jesse Jones, when she lost a couple of weeks ago with BK Rhythm, when she invited herself to be in the, the match, there was after match uh, uh, interview that she had. Well, I mean, nobody was physically there holding the microphone, which I don't understand. But uh, she was, you know, she was there with BK. And she's like, I didn't lose anything. She lost. Nobody pinned my shoulders. You know that that whole deal. Uh, basically, just enough to, for BK Rhythm to be like, oh, man, you know, forget this. I'm out of here. You know, so they had some closure to that impromptu teaming. Uh, the same way that uh, the Bully Busters pretty much announced that they were going to be taking on the Heavy Metal Sisters. Uh, I want to say a week before they took before they actually took them on in the show. But on the YouTube channel, I think uh, Vivian Riviera announced that it was going to be those three even though you know we never saw that on on the uh televised version so uh <clears throat> take that for what it is not a bad thing it's just different so we'll, we'll leave it at that uh, we started off with the recap segment like i said they set up for the triple threat to go to the second segment of the show which has david mcclain sit down with sofia lopez and he's explaining to her hey you know you, you came into my office you had uh, you know, your client, you wanted me to, to give a main event. I gave it that main event, and then you cheated anyway. You know, and they showed a little recap of Lopez doing her manager thing, which, again, I think that she's getting much, much better at. Same thing with Lana Star. I think those two are the managers that they should focus on, quite frankly. Um, uh, but she, well, you know, Smart's getting better, too. So, But anyway, um, she... Hits. They showed a recap of uh, Lopez hitting the beast in the head with a Halliburton briefcase. And then, of course, it's like, all right, so I am going to settle this thing down between them. I'm going to put them in a triple threat match. And you, Sophia, you're banned until further notice or something like that. So I'm a, I'm assuming that this is their way to write her out of whatever programming that they have go- upcoming that she would not be participating in. So, um, we'll just have to see where that goes. Hopefully, uh, they'll explain it when she comes back or the band's lifted or whatever the case may be. But this was because David McClain said that she, you know, she cheated and she would, you know, basically created a PR nightmare for him. Although I'm not really entirely sure how that would create a PR nightmare for him because it's not like the first time that anybody's cheated on the show. I mean, I can see if she just did just insane, outrageous stuff, cheating every two, three minutes, or getting in the ring, or you know something like that. But 
Uh, you know, Wow has not had a manager who's been that active to get in there like, you know, the old school Bobby Heenan's and Cornets and Paul Heyman's and whatnot. So you got to walk before, you know, got to crawl before you can walk, walk before you run. So, you know, maybe, maybe they'll get to that eventually. So we're not going to criticize that too much. Segment three, we are going into a, another bracketed match or another match for the Invitational Tag Team Tournament. I noticed that they now use the term Invitational, which I guess is their way of justifying not having anybody's name in the, uh, you know, as a listing of who's participating, what teams are here, or anything like that. So since this is all Invitational, you just show up when you want to. This has the team of Gigi Gianni and Adriana Gambino. Of course, that is a perfect mixture of the, the full-blooded Italians, I guess. You know, although, please, if they're listening, don't take that name. That's uh, the FBI is already something that was used by ECW later WWE, so we can't we can't be using that. Um, Foxy Fierce and Chantilla Chella are their opponents. My first note that I put down here is that somehow Chantilla Chella is back in the tournament. It wasn't all that long ago. The first episode of this reboot, in fact, where the Tonga Twins beat Chantilla Chella and Randy Rara in the opening round of the tag team tournament. And so you had the Tonga Twins advance, but now all of a sudden we got Chantilla Chella getting a second chance with an entirely different partner. And I would not have a problem with that if WoW acknowledged it. Just acknowledged like, hey, you know, it's an invitational tournament. You can't get back in with the same team. But if you change your partner, you, you're able, you're eligible to slot back in and get another shot. But you can only do it twice. I mean, make up something. You know, anything. Just, just to give it some level of, of semblance of logic and reality to it. But nope, she just popped back up in the tournament with a new partner. Uh, you know, I prefer with the, the explanation I just gave. And I just did that just off the top of my head. It's like, hey, look, you know, it's invitational. You can get back in. It's so long as it is not the same team. Another participant can get in. You know, you get a different partner, blah, blah, blah. But they didn't do that. So I am forced to believe that they did not think this through. Uh... Gianna and Gambino, I will admit, although they look green in the ring together, they do look good together. Uh, this is one of those things that if they work together long enough, maybe tag long enough, maybe get to work with people who are better than them long enough, they can actually forge a reasonable team and you know be slotted as a higher rank uh, a team to be contended against, I guess, if you want to put that in there. Um, the, the 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 look is certainly there. That that much I can definitely go for. That they absolutely have a fantastic look. Um, and if they, I don't know what name they could come up with them for the two of them, but I think it would help if they started being featured more often. This is where my concern for Wild kicks in because when they have something like that, uh, Gambino and Gianni who potentially could look well together, something like this, well, this is the time that you should feature them more so they can get their star treatment. Then, you know, maybe they'll they'll kind of rub off on fans and 
you know, you'll want to see them more often. But as it stands with them being pre-taped and pre-taped so far in advance, like they're months in advance, that's probably very unlikely to happen, but we will see. Uh, Chella took most of the beating in this match. Um, I guess to give the uh, the two, Gianna and Gambino, something good to do and somebody good to do with. Uh, but ultimately, it was fierce to eight to fall. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Chella got eliminated, got put out. You know, well, she gets eliminated from the tournament twice as they as they lose Fox Fierce and Chinchilla Chella. Uh, it was a backstabber by Gambino, followed up into a belly to belly suplex for the win, and the Italian girls uh, walk away with the. Uh, <laughs> With the win here. I mean, there's really no other way to say it. And there's a little note that I have put in. Foxy Fist does not hit the ropes well. I don't know what, what it is with that, but she just doesn't seem to do it. They also seem like the, the editing has been in, was in full gear here. They were like, you know, the cutting on the action a lot. And whenever I see them do that, it immediately puts me in the mindset that something went wrong. Or it wasn't as smooth as it could have been or something. It's like when you edit that heavily, it's almost like you're always trying to cover up something. And, uh, yeah, they did try that a little bit later on in the episode, and we'll get to that momentarily. The next segment featured Glitch the Gamer. Some of you may know her as Vert Vixen out there on the independent circuit. This is another video package, another personality profile, and... um, I, I find myself asking the same question I ask anytime I see these. Why am I booing her? For what reason would I have to boo this woman? Like, first off, she comes of all, comes off as very likable. You know, she's talking about things that she loved, and then, you know, you got the promotion putting over. She's a, former, a cosplay model. She's a former GameStop TV host. She's the one at conventions like TwitchCon and stuff like that. Uh, it was like she's a competitive gamer right now, plus being you know a professional wrestler. Like what? What is it about her that I'm supposed to dislike? All of these things are things that I like. And again, when she's sitting there in front of the camera talking, she comes off as very likable. I get the impression that when they sat down and did these pro personality profiles, the idea of sliding us into skew your opinion about them as either babyface or heel was not part of the equation. They just look, well, you know, just put them in there. Which, it doesn't work well in this environment because we're seeing these people almost directly before they get into the ring. And anytime we do see them directly before they get into the ring, it's almost a, a, a guarantee that they're going to lose. That's been the, the, the path that this has taken so far. Other people don't seem like they notice it. I do. I'm sorry. I I I just noticed that. Um, it comes out of this, and keep in mind, like I said, this, this personality profile package does lead into a match. So you have this, and I, I am forced to believe that they did not give this thought as to where we're going to slot this. These probably would have been better if they just stuck it on their social media. And say, hey, go, you know, if you want to meet these people, go look at them or something like that. But to put it in the course of the show, 
for some for a good chunk of the people who were assigned to be the heel, they had them talk about their personal life, their personal problems, their personal accomplishment, their personal defeats, and things like that does not make them unlikable. In, in fact, it goes the opposite direction. Why would I boo them when they're giving me this backstory of stuff that, you know, sometimes you largely might agree with? Uh, so I think that works against them, which is again goes back to what I said about the YouTube show. The YouTube show, although it just has the matches, sometimes it works better that way. Um, segment five features Coach Campanelli and Randy Rara Rara 2.0 backstage in a meeting. Um, Campanelli walks in, you know, to this uh, locker room or whatever you want to call it, and. Hey, how about that match last week? You know, and you're welcome, by the way. And, you know, Rara's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we should talk. And, you know, matter of fact, I got this match coming up. With, you know, why don't you watch it and, and, you know, we can talk about it later and, you know, all that stuff. So this is the second time that we've seen Campanelli and Rara backstage in some level of meeting. And I have no idea where this is going. I mean, they they met before, and it was probably like a minute and a half, and, and it seemed as if Campanelli was going to be the heel there, and and uh, maybe she was helping Rara for her own selfish purposes. But then you have this, and like, okay, well, is it Rara that's asking for her help so that she can continue to win? Is she using Campanelli? Because Campanelli had a video last week which showed her to be, you know, in my view. Completely useless. And I don't mean that as a as a knock against the wrestler. I mean, that's just the way that they presented her. It's like they did her as the polar opposite of what Mr. Perfect did. If you are like me and you can remember that far back, Mr. Perfect had a series of vignettes, which were you know some of the greatest stuff that WWF did at that time, where he was explaining who Mr. Perfect was and he that he did everything perfectly. And he went through all these sports scenarios where you know i do this i do that he bowled a perfect game hitting nothing but strikes through a football downfield caught it itself hit a home run you know basketball shot without take without looking you know he it was just everything he was doing was perfect well campanelli was like the opposite of that in the in the clips that they showed everything that she tried to do it just even though she did it with complete confidence Complete confidence, like she had no doubt that she was going to get it right or win or whatever. Like she did the bat behind the back basketball shot and looked like, yeah, I know it. I sunk it, and that thing didn't go nowhere near the basket. So I don't know what, you know, they're trying to do with Campanelli. Are they making her out to be, you know, somebody that who could be easily manipulated? Is she a lackey? Is she healed? Is she babyface? Is this a feud? Is this a, is a rivalry being built? I have no idea. They don't give enough, but I, I can't really criticize it because I don't know where they're heading with it yet. So, you know, I am willing to allow things to play and run its course before we get into those things. So just all I can say is keep your eye out for it, and, and if you see any noticeable changes in the characters or the personalities, that'll probably be what we need to see where this is going. Uh, the second, the, the sixth segment, which is the match, we have Glitch the Gamer versus Randy Rara. Now, keep in mind, we just saw a Glitch the Gamer video package, and then you got Rara with her backstage 
confrontation, if you want to call it that, with uh, Campanelli. Uh, but the thing is that Glitch comes out and she starts making fun of her opponent. So now we know that, all right, well, I guess Glitch is the heel in this, in this equation because she's making fun of uh, Rara as a, as a cheerleader. You know, showing that she could do a do too. She does cartwheels and does like cheerleader stance and all that good stuff. Uh, Ra Ra basically does a forward flip into a collar and elbow tie up, and then the match gets underway. Um, nothing really big to important to talk about there. I mean, it was a competent match, not as didn't have the pace that I'm used to seeing uh, girls like Vert Vixen do, uh, or Glitch in this case. It seemed like it was slowed down like half a step for whatever reasons. Uh, also looked like there was a corner spot that was messed up. It looks the Glitch sends Rara into the corner. She charges in, and Rara lifts both her legs like she was about to come over top of Glitch into a sunset flip position or something like that. But uh, Glitch nails her with a forearm shot, catches her right there in the corner. Which, you know, again, I, I'm not I'm not bothered by a botch in the ring because wrestling is harder than people make it out to be. I'm not one of those people that's going to sit out there like, ah, you, you messed up, you messed up. No, those things happen. Now, if it's just turned into a train wreck and it's just mistaken, miscue on top of miscue, that's different. But when you have one like this, you know, you have somebody like uh, Glitch who could probably turn it around, which I'm assuming that she did because she just – she charged in, caught her with the forearm shot instead, and then just reset the move. Sent on to the other side. This time it goes through. The only thing that doing it immediately after you reset the move is that it, it does make it pretty obvious what you were trying to do the first time and just messed up. Uh, maybe they could have you know, taken two or three more steps in between that before they got to this point. But nevertheless... She goes in, she gives it a try, tries to uh, charge her in the corner like like assumed to be the first time, but uh, she got caught in a flip, sunset flip. Um, ultimately, Glitch takes over. And once she gets to the point where she's like game over and she's getting ready to put her away, she set her up for, we'll call it her version of a GTS, to, to go to sleep. But we hear the whistle blowing. Campanella's coming out, blowing the whistle, and she's getting up on the apron, and the referee said, hey, get down. You can't be up here. And then Glitch hits the, uh, what I guess is her finish on Rara. She throws up, falls back, kicks her in the side of the head, and drops Rara. But before, but instead of covering her, you guessed it, she goes over there and starts giving Campanella a piece of her mind. What are you doing? Why are you up here? You don't need to be a blah, 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 blah. So her distraction gives what was once known for a you know being overdone in the WWE the the distraction roll up, and that's how we have Ra Ra come out on top. She's distracted. She being glitched is distracted by the coach. Ra Ra comes from behind with a roll up one two three, and she gets her second win. So we are moving on. We have a. Uh, Campanelli taking Rara out of the ringside. And again, I don't know where this little thing between the two of them is going, but it's, you know, it's going somewhere. Segment seven, 
has a backstage uh, video which starts off with the disciplinarian and Samantha Smart having a conversation. You know, we're, we're walking into the middle of this, so it's not important what they're talking about. What's important is that Jesse Jones busts in, and she pretty much invites herself to be the disciplinarian's partner. She, the first thing she does, she takes the gum out of her mouth and, say, and grabs Samantha Smart's hands like, here, hold this. So, she, so she's starting off rude with him. So even though it is an all-heel team, it's, it's the kind of no honor amongst thieves scenario. And uh, Jesse is <laughs> surprisingly in the role of uh, not talking down to him, but treating you know treating him down, you know treating him as less than. Like like I said, she comes in, grabs him out the smart's hand, and just takes her gum out of her out of her mouth, her own mouth, Jesse Jones that is, and sticks it in smart's hand to like hold this. So now Jesse's going into this whole shebang, explaining her situation, which you know let's call it for what it is is exposition for the audience, so they know what's going on and what's happening. But they did do it in a way that it didn't come off as obviously exposition. You know, it's like, hey, look, uh, Dave McClain, you know, they they took the belt from me last year, even though I won a fair and square. I mean, now, now this isn't verbatim, so don't be looking for this uh, out of her mouth. But she's basically saying that, you know, hey, I'm forced into getting into this tournament, and uh, that's the only way that I'm going get, to get my belts back. And uh, you two are smart, and you know I'm the smart choice. I haven't been pinned. I've been, you know, I haven't tapped out. I haven't lost here. You know, so here's the paper, which, you know, in this case, it's the paper is supposed to be ap- the application to get into uh, the tournament. So she hands the paper over to Samantha Smart. It's like, here's the paper. So you turn this in and we'll, you know, we're going to be a team. All right, I'll see you guys out there. So Jesse, you know, like I said, essentially just invites herself to be part of the team, you know, despite the fact that, you know, she didn't even get him a chance to speak. Or, or anything like that. She just came in and just talking away. And so when she leaves, the disciplinary and Samantha Smart look at each other like, what was that about? And, and Samantha's like, I don't know. They get a close-up on the paper, and Samantha tears it in half. So we know that that's not going anywhere. The next thing we have is the actual match. Now, I don't remember whether they, act, they say something like, hey, this was taped earlier today or or they, or they put a little caption, a little third, like earlier this evening. You know, so they probably should do something along those lines. I mean, yeah, I know it, it takes away the uh, cinematic nature of it, but it, it gives an idea of what they would like the WoW universe to be. Like, uh, to know that that was supposed to be hours ago and not necessarily two minutes before the match start would, would help, I guess, in some regard. So, in any case, this is uh, segment eight, and we have uh, Princess Ozzy now entering the tag team tournament. Matter of fact, uh, no, no, I, I, I tell a lie. This is not a tag team. T- is uh, th- but this is the person that she teamed with in the previous match, Princess Ozzy and Tiki Chimaro. Uh They are taking on the disciplinarian and Jesse Jones with Samantha Smart. Uh, this match is all about Jesse Jones. She is the purpose of this match taking place. She is the angle in the match. Everybody else there, you know, it's 
sorry to say it, but everybody else there at that particular time was just there to serve the purpose to forward Jesse's angle. So the match, uh, I, I won't say it's not important. It actually was it, it was important, and it worked well. I think out of the four participants, you have three of them who are pretty well experienced with Ozzy and Jones and the disciplinarian. So it moved pretty well, and, and it probably gave Chamaro the, the opportunity that she needed to be in the ring with some people that could help her and help you know move her through, do this, do this, don't slow down. You know, and, and so I didn't have a problem with this match at all. You know, quite frankly, I thought it was a, a pretty decent match. It did get off the rails at times when they had too many people in the ring. But outside of that, no, I, 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 it was enjoyable to watch. Uh, the heat is mostly on Jesse Jones. Uh, there's a point where tomorrow is in control and uh, she was getting ready to do her variation of a 619 until she got cut off by Samantha Smart in the yardstick. Good on Samantha Smart. This is one of the things that I've been saying about their managers and all all of them, all three. I know they say Mesmer was classified as one, but until I see her and admit to her being a manager on TV, I'm not going to acknowledge it. So all three have done well. All three have have started to get themselves involved, get rise to the occasion, and be, do what a manager does. You know, you got a little bit more cheating out of uh, Sofia Lopez. You got, you know, you got a lot of arrogance and attitude out of Atlanta Star. And, and I know last season, Smart took a big bump off of the bees, got got bees bombed, and here she sees the girl, young lady coming across with a 619, pops her in the back with a yardstick. And this is one of those cases that I will stand by the yardstick because I, I said before, and I'm on record as saying, and I don't change my mind. I think that Smart should use the paddle, or you know, at least have that as an option. That that you could believe somebody could get knocked out in. But in this case, when you got this person swinging through the ropes, and all she needs to do, I just need to distract you long enough so that doesn't impact my client and impact my team. And that's what she did. It was it was pretty good time. It smacked her right there. Boom. Gave Jones enough room to get free and take control of the match. Loved it. Uh, getting towards the end, the disciplinarian, and this is why I say I, I'm going to just put this down on that. When you have some vets, they do things like that. Disciplinarian cuts Ozzy off on the outside. Make sure that she cannot get back in that ring to stop this match. And it's the little things like that that make the difference. Rather than that person had to sit there and look like they're tired or that some some force field got in their way and they can't jump back in the ring. Nope. You got the heel, cut her off, bam. She can't get back in because I won't let her. So that that I liked. Again, it's the little things. And uh inside the ring, in the meantime, Jones does what Jones does best. She locks Chamaro down at the arm breaker and ties her up into her submission. And taps her out. So we got through the match. Entered and, and like I said, I know I said it wasn't really important. It was all basically the forward Jones's uh uh angle. But if you know, when I think about it, if there's something out of here that you would want to watch, it I would say this match, Princess Ozzy and Chamorro versus the disciplinarian Jones, and then the other qualifier, Foxy Fierce and Chinchilla Chella with the uh the, 
Gianni and Gambino. I was like, that. that's probably the order that I would move it in so far. Uh, but anyway, at the end of this, you got uh, Jones. She gets the microphone, and then she starts, all right, Dave McClain, you, you see that? We, you know, I, I did what I was supposed to. I turned in the, the paper, so you know, he put me in the tournament. So now uh, we know Dave McClain has multiple roles on this show. He's the lead commentator. He's the authority figure. He's the in-ring interviewer. So, you know, just just another job for Mr. McClain. David gets up and he's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, uh, I'm sorry to tell you, but it's just out of luck. This is not a qualifying match for you. I never got that paper. And he asks uh, AJ Mendez and he asks Stephen Dickey, who honestly, if you weren't paying attention to this show, I mean, you probably wouldn't even know AJ Mendez worked there. If you didn't look at the credits or something along those lines, because outside of he might say a name here and there, and the commentary, I really don't understand the purpose of her being on TV. They haven't exploited it yet. And most times she feels like she's just reactionary as far as, far as calling the match. I don't. It just needs to be a two-person booth to get your money worth out of her. That's, that's all I'm saying. Stephen Dickey and A.J. Mendez, that's who it needs. Anyway. Uh, so she, she says this, McLean says, I don't, you know, I don't have it. I, I, I'm sorry. You just out of luck. And she's like, nope, that's a lie. That's, that's horse manure. Cause I, I filled it out myself and I gave it a smart and she turned it in. So I like this, that, you know, Jesse just assumed that Samantha Smart was going to do what she told her to do and turn the paper in. Uh, this, this, I have to admit, this was entertaining for me. And, you know, and David McClain was not over the top and silly. He wasn't, he was neither of those things. He was just, hey, look, I'm sorry. You know, it, it, he came off to me as, as sympathetic towards Jesse, but at the same time, look, I'm sorry, I don't have it, so there's nothing I can do. I told you if you want to be in, you got to do this X, Y, and Z. I still haven't gotten that yet, so, you know, whatever. And, you know, that's when Jesse realized that she didn't turn it in. She turns to somebody else like, you had one job. To turn in the paper. Uh, now, on the one hand, it it doesn't. I guess it doesn't really hurt Samantha Smart because, like, she she just made a decision. I want to be with you, and and you know, I now I give that thought. It does make sense because the second that Jesse walked into that room, she was talking down to both the disciplinarian and the Samantha Smart in a roundabout way. She wasn't doing it on purpose. I, I guess if we're going to take it in the kayfabe universe. Uh, she wasn't doing it on purpose, but she was talking down to him. So it would make sense that a Samantha Smart and Disparate like, I don't want to tag with this woman. I don't care who she is or how, how uh, her record's been, which is surprising because you got Jesse Jones who basically carried the disciplinary to maybe her first win in like two seasons. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, but it, again, everything here, all the, all the pieces fit. There was nothing to be gained from Ozzy and Tamara winning. Jones has to continue on her thing. It gives disciplinary win also. It gives Samantha Smart and uh, disciplinary, you know, again, the, the means to do this, to no honor amongst thieves. Because even though we're technically on the same side of the locker room, no, I don't want to tag with you. So uh, it was a small part there, but a good part nonetheless. Uh, like I said, David McClain was not over the top here. He, he just, I mean, he almost always looks like he has a smile on his face for some reason, but, but he was not – 
uh, in that position. He wasn't uh, giggling, laughing, or you know, being anything ridiculous. He was, he was the authority figure. What can I say? Um, very easy to follow. Good stuff. And and I'm looking. Jesse Jones for me so far has been a dream on this show. It is the only wrestling angle that I have. Everything else has been more or less carried out in some sort of vignette or something like that. I mean, for the most part, you know, it, because we haven't really, the Beast hasn't got on a microphone. She's performed. She's done the backstage thing. And Tormenta hasn't spoken. Raina Del Rey is, you know, pretty much there. And, and it's it's still kind of cold, you know. I mean, this, this triple threat was out of, I can't really say it's out of nowhere, but it, I don't know if it warranted that yet, or at least it, it man needed to have them all speak about how I'm going to tear the other one up. Just, to give me a little bit of something behind it. The Jesse Jones stuff has been, you know, great. I mean, it's kind of spaced out, but she, I never would have uh, viewed Jesse Bell as an actress. Not, and I don't know if I would, if she considers herself that, but she does very well. She's always done a great promo. She's always been good on the microphone. But I didn't know that she would do well in the vignette portions also. She does. She's pretty well-rounded in the WoW universe. and She's another one of those talents that's been on the indies that for the life of me, I can't understand why she hadn't gotten at least a chance. Like at least a chance to be on Impact. Or AEW's women's division or something like that. Although I would, I don't know if I'd even want her to go down. I'd, I'd afraid be, I would be afraid that she would get lost in the shuffle. But it, you know, it's at least a chance. She's good. And if I had any sort of pull in this universe, she'd be, you know, at least get an opportunity someplace. Uh, but again, yes, it's um, it was it was good good angle. Still interested in it. Ready to see where it's going. Uh, the next segment, uh, another video package setting up the main event, which will be following this. And the fact that Sofia Lopez is banned from ringside. So the, the thing that I wrote when I heard that as I was watching it is that I assume Tormenta takes the fall. Sorry, spoiler. Um, so we got to the, the, the main event. And we got our participants, Tormenta, Reina Del Rey, and the Beast. This is for the Wild Championship. So uh, I only assumed Tormenta because I I felt like the Beast and Del Rey's feud needed to continue on. And this was just a pit stop along the way. Uh, and that's that's pretty much the feeling that I got from that. Not to devalue the match. The match was fine and the match was what it was. It's not an easy thing to for people to orchestrate and work a triple threat match. Um, I've, I've been in that room when they, you know, and I probably shouldn't have been there, but I've been in that room and, you know, some occasions where they're trying to work out, okay, I'm going to do this and do that and blah, blah, blah. You know, and these are people who are used to calling it on the fly. They're used to calling it out in the ring. But, you know, it's like you have to have this rotating door of participants in a triple threat match to, to keep, I guess, it fresh at some point without so you're not clustering each other. Or at least that's what it was turned into in, you know, over the last 10 years or so. Uh, 
But again, the match what it was what it was. The the major portion of this match, first off, is short. So let's just if it's if it's five minutes, I'd be surprised. But so it's short. Uh, and at some point, the major high point is this. Both Del Rey and the Beast find themselves on the floor. Uh, Tormenta climbs the top rope. And while they, you know, are doing the face-off, they being the Beast and uh, Reina Del Rey. And Tormenta comes down off the top to the floor and crashes into both of them. Why is this important? Because I think from this point out, the Beast may have gotten, you know, I think she got hurt here. From this point, she's hopping and hobbling around, needing to get help up from the ref. I mean, at one point, I was like, okay, is she selling this? But I am relatively sure, I would say I'm 99% sure that she just got hurt and it was a bad hit. So they get back into the ring. And it's not, she's not all that mobile. I mean, she doesn't look like she's, struggling necessarily but she's not mobile either so we'll just get to the the end portion of because again I, I don't think it's uh really all that important what took place in between other than del rey did a nice uh cartwheel into a uh a, a sunset flip kind of <laughs> i mean it's almost like a a cartwheel sunset power bomb i, I guess it, that, that's the only way i can really put it in words that was nice but anyway uh like i said the, the cannonball off the top rope to the floor that was the first thing the second thing is that we get del rey out of the ring again so you know the beast puts her out then she goes out to torment and kicks her in the stomach and sets up for her power bomb the beast bomb and it was messed up it was messed up because soon as she got her up into that upper seated uh, position to come down on the power bomb, she just crumbled over. Now they tried to cut this by jumping to a close up of the of the shot, and you know, so you couldn't really see it all that much. It was just like boom, blinking, you missed it. But she got her up into that position and came down, and they're like, "Oh, she hit her with she hit her with the power bomb, one, two, three, and then that was it." She, you know, the beast retained. She's still champion. But if you watch that match, and I'm sure they'll put it up, you know, like they have the, all the other ones. It seemed to me like once she got her into that standing position, she might her leg might have just given way. She couldn't hold it anymore. It just came down. She just came straight down. And it, it wasn't anything close to a power bomb. It just kind of dropped her. But she rolled. I mean, she went to immediate cover and just, you know, closed out the match. Uh, assuming that she could have continued on. I mean, I don't, again, I don't know how bad it, the injury was. And she might not have been able to continue. She might have been in too much pain, you know. And she was just trying to gut it out to get to the end. But, uh it, it would have been nice if she could have called an audible. I mean, that uh, 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 just not trying to diminish or discount the situation that she was in. That's why I say assuming she could have gone further. It'd have been nice if they could have called an audible because I know it was a very awkward way for their champion to end the show. Uh, up until this point, she's been completely dominant in how she's been presented. 
uh, her power, her clothesline, the way she slams, her walk, uh, the spear, the power bomb, everything that she's done has largely been very power based, very impactful. Uh, WoW has done a lot to protect that, and I know that they put her in the ring with people who could really make her look good. So uh, she definitely needs to be thanking all of them after their matches. Um, but it, assuming that she could have done it, you know, maybe she could have applied a, a submission or something like that. I mean, you know, again, just to help keep the aura alive because I'm sure she probably was as disappointed as anybody else. You know, I, I have no reason to believe that she would be happy or satisfied. You know, really, I mean, not just the look, but you dropping somebody. You know, you got people's lives in your hands when you're in a you know, wrestling match, when they're trusting you with their body. So I'm sure she didn't like that she couldn't hold her. And, you know, hey, sometimes we see it with, you know, other places where they're like, oh, I had to finish the match or make it look good or this, that, and that. You know, but there's no shame. And if, if I can't go anymore, let's just go ahead and finish, take this home and finish it so we can move on. And that may be what she needed to do. So, you know, there's that. And I know that it was, you know, probably the protocol of this episode, like I said earlier, to cut on the action. And this was one of those cases where you had to cut on the action. And try to save the match as much as possible from a video standpoint. But, yeah, it, it really was. Unless they were going to do the spot over, it really wasn't much else they could do with that. So, I, I mean, I can't blame the the uh, editing crew, the video production crew for that either. All in all, the show is fine. Again, the, the angle that keeps me invested in it right now is the Jesse Jones angle. It is the one thing that they took from the previous season and kept going. That's probably why I, I'm so invested in it because I've had, you know, I just finished watching and reviewing the unaired season, which led up to this, which this now picks up from that. And is the only thing that has any sort of continuity. And I was impressed right from the get-go. I was like, wow, they actually acknowledged that she won the tag team championships. I was completely impressed. I mean, just absolutely impressed. They never acknowledged that. So, I mean, that it works for me. That's all. I'll leave it at that. Uh, just an odd thing that I found in the, in the course of the show. David McClain uses the, the word revenge a little weirdly. I mean, coming to revenge. It doesn't say coming to get revenge or coming to avenge. Coming to coming to revenge and I mean and he said this like two or three times over the last couple of shows I mean you know your dialogue is your dialogue it's just just comes off very weird to me it's like it's like you're skipping the word here David why, why can't you say coming to get revenge what's so hard about that coming to get revenge or coming to avenge somebody you don't not just come to revenge Whew. Okay, yeah, that, that probably was my, the teacher in me <laughs> that had to come out here for a second. Anyhow, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your time and tuning in to another edition of the Rights and Wrongs Prorosing Podcast and the review of WOW and yet another episode of uh, 
continuity and, and colorful characters, an angle that's actually got me relatively hooked at a tag team tournament that has that I'm still trying to make heads or tails of. So WoW is a is a very unique and interesting entity. Uh, but I was getting to the close here, uh, so let's let's reset that. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for tuning in to the show. I appreciate your uh, time and patience and, and being willing to listen to my point of view as far as what this program is about and how good or bad it is from you know time to time. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to leave them in the uh, venue where you are. Uh, preferably YouTube, you know, in the comment section, or you can email me at mrgreen75 at Hotmail. Uh, and also the uh, social media platforms to which the Women's Pro Wrestling, Work, Pro Wrestling Network exists. That being Instagram, or better yet, you can go to WPNWrestling.com because that has links to all our social media platforms. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, it is all there. So if you go to WPN.com, it is the nexus for all things Women Pro Wrestling Network. Podcast, video stream that runs 24 hours a day, links to our YouTube, and more. And with that, I think I have sold enough. So I would like to say this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long. And we will see you on the next go-round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.